Welcome everyone to another live episode of Up in Flames. It looks solo today, but it will not be the case. I got a special guest coming on. My guy Jeff Hunt, host VP, go VP, main VP of Off the Ball Network, host of uh, the Buckeyes Remix. Your your beloved power rankings, your beloved college football playoff rankings. Jeff needs help. Jeff needs sports. All of that. He will be coming on, but. We're going to get into a lot of quarterback dilemma in college at Ohio, our beloved Ohio State in college altogether. We'll talk about some of the new quarterbacks, new faces in new places and where they're thriving. And is Baker worth the money that he is about to get? We are going to cover all that tonight. But first, we'll get back to you after the new Up in Flames intro. Duction. Warning. You are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Yeah, uh, we up in flames. Hold on, uh, check this go. We up in flames, yeah. Uh, we up in, uh, yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Woo! We up in, yeah, we up in flames, we up in flames. And we are live once again. I got a great co-host, co-VP, main VP, Jeff Need Help, Jeff Need Sports, the host of your beloved po- playoff, college football playoff is the host of your beloved NFL Power Rankings, the host of uh, Buckeyes Remix, and also leading into our topic, you know, he was the, he was a, this, a special guest on Locked On Buckeyes, but first off, Jeff, what's going on, bro? Hey, not much, man. Thanks for having me on the show, Mo. I, I love it as always. Um, I couldn't wait to be on here. I had a little technical difficulties. I got the strange feeling my mic might be a little skewed right now. But um, you sound but, you perfect know. on this end. You sound yeah, yeah. perfect. Okay, yeah, everything's good. Everything's good. Um, yeah, hey, that's that's live broadcasting. Things happen. Yep. So, uh, gr- great intro, by the way. Shout out to franchise. Oh, of course, we love we love our guy franchise. So, before we get into, I mean, we're talking quarterbacks, Jeff from from college, our very own Ohio State college altogether. Uh, NFL. But before we get into that, you guys make sure you go first off to offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs and entertainment. And also go to mybookie.ag using promo code off the ball. They match 50% of your first deposit up to $1,000. Once again, that's mybookie.ag. We are in the middle of football season, college football, NFL. We got MVP odds out. We got Heisman odds out. We got everything you could think of money line over unders every week. Make sure you go to my bookie and use promo code off the ball in all caps to let them know that we sent you over there. And also go sign up at playpickup.com. You can win a lot of cool prizes by just participating, but by, by just participating in a, in a lot of voting polls, you know, uh, some over under polls, just a lot of things. You get a lot of points, get you shot glasses from alcohol drinkers. You can get a four way volleyball net. Uh, never played volleyball like that before, but that seems pretty cool. And ultimately, the grand prize is a Fanatics gift card. Every uh, 1,250 points, I believe, is a $20 Fanatics gift card. Who doesn't like $20 off of anything? Just by simply reading people's content, going off the ballnetwork.com and vote directly and sign up directly off of there. 
that'll be much appreciated. Who doesn't love free stuff just for voting on polls on stuff that you're going to conversate about anyway. So with all that, shout out to all our sponsors, but with all that, Jeff, let's get into it first. The Ohio state quarterback drama. I think it now creates drama. Um, I know you were a guest earlier today. So for anybody that didn't watch it, the locked on Buckeyes podcast hosted by Jay Stevens, they went live today with Jess with Jeff as his guest. And they talked, they covered this. This was pretty much topic of discussion. This is topic of discussion around Buckeye country right now. Um, something I think we've all been waiting for and hoping, and we thought we were going to see it in the Tulsa game. It's just a Kyle McCord or a Jack Miller, um, essentially, you know, getting a shot, getting a chance, getting some live game reps and CJ Stroud won't be playing. He'll, he'll be resting a little bit. Um, we know his shoulder, uh, had some problems. So, Jeff, just what are your thoughts um, and, and what do you expect to see? I know it's against Akron, so a lot of people like to say it's not a true test, but you also said something interesting on Jay's show. So what, what do you think about the drama itself and just the opportunity of at least being able to see what we will get out of a Kyle McCord and Jack Miller? Yeah, well, it's been it's been a, a, a crazy trip so far. So it's you know, it's been weird. You know, it started off week one. You know, there was there was a, a few of us, a community of us that were like, I mean, I know how it turned out, and I know we're not supposed to talk, you know, already about QB1, but I, I saw some chinks in the armor. I saw some things missed or whatever, and then we immediately got, you know, backlash. Like, nah, mm-hmm. CJ's not the problem. It's all defense. It's all defense. It's all defense. And, you know, and I know, Mo, I know you did a show with Jay. You guys really went over this. Like, well, you know, if you're if your offense scores a few more points, it changes the defense, yada, 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 like we've done the last few years with Buckeyes. And then by last week, it had crescendoed into, you know, I was in the stadium. I mean, we it was – booing the crowd was very very negative everybody was upset and so the first so the first part of it was i was a little disappointed in ryan day letting it get to this point for letting his 19 year old quarter 19 year old quarterback you know take this and listen i understand every you know the people that would say who cares what the crowd says well college football is not a a professional sport so the crowd does matter. Boosters do matter. What people mm-hmm. think about your program do matter. If you don't think that there's people sitting real close to that field that have a direct effect on how a college football team runs, then you probably haven't aren't really in depth into college football if you don't understand that. So it does matter. And then, you know, you don't also don't want this kid to have to deal with the pressure of being on a possible playoff team and then now he's getting booed on the field you know i think this could have been handled different secondly i do believe that there is some shoulder soreness some issues i don't think that that's all just contrived just for an easy way out most importantly though i've been saying this for three weeks i don't understand what the big deal was about playing our quarterbacks in the first three weeks of the season and i and i'm glad that they get a chance now we bring these guys in you know mo is a osu fan you know that they beat us over the head with like oh this recruiting this recruiting we want to alabama level georgia level lsu level and all this and then the not so if these guys are this good and you're bringing them in then they they, they shouldn't get the right to play i i haven't understood that i haven't understood the protection of the quarterback position in general as far as like why is that the only position on the field that somebody we don't get a look at the next player so this this is all kind of worked out like i thought it would but i i think it took I think it took a very indirect route to get there. Yeah. And if, if people remember 
There was some there was some claims of CJ Stroud. There were some reports that his shoulder was hurting prior to the Oregon game. And part of me thought like, hey, he might not make it through this game. And he looked fairly fine, but still, like he was grabbing at his shoulder prior to the Oregon game. So he plays, he's QB1, he's getting all the reps. He gets no no rest. And essentially, you know, that's one thing, you know, we talk about when a quarterback is dinged up, that's the worst situation for a team because the quarterback gets the least amount of rest. You don't bring in your backup quarterback unless he's injured. Like there is not too many quarterback situations where you're getting the same production with your backup quarterback, where we know there's wide receivers by committee, there's running backs by committee, offensive linemen here and there, you know, based on the, the pass protection or run protection, you might not see one of your better offensive line, A, take a rest. You know, you see it on the defensive side of the ball. You you rotate corners sometimes. Yeah, your number one guy is there, but you, your number two guy might be in the nickel one play. He might be off the field the next play. So quarterback is the one kind of position that's not necessarily interchangeable where you typically don't just change quarterbacks here and there. One drive, you got it. One drive, you got it. That's just not necessarily a recipe to winning. Now, I did think against Tulsa, I expected a blowout. I expected second half. Like, we see a little bit of Kyle McCord. We see a little bit of Jack Miller. Like, that, that's just what I expect. At least Kyle McCord, he's allegedly QB2. Um, like Jay reported and you guys talked about, it's not for sure who the starting quarterback is going to be. We all assume it's McCord because when the depth chart came out, he was QB2. Uh, I don't see a lot. You know, I've even heard some kind of negative reports about Jack Miller, and he was a little, like, overhyped in high school. You know, I think he was a four-star. Kyle McCord is a five-star. Obviously, Quinn Ewers is a five-star and, the, like, the real deal. You said something interesting earlier and like he's supposed to be uh what's the word I'm looking for? Uh not monumental, but generational uh, generational talent. And <laughs> you you tweeted about it and you're like it seems like generational talent is every 2 to 3 years at this point. And that's what it seems to become. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was just a generational talent yeah. prior to Andrew Luck being a generational talent. Oh, the first since Andrew Luck. Like Andrew Luck wasn't in college that long ago. So, but even still, I could see the gap between Luck and Lawrence. But then now we're like, well, D DJU is, is a generational talent coming right behind, you know, Trevor Lawrence. And now Queen Ewers. So it is one of those like generational talent. It's a yearly thing now. And it's being used and probably overused. But I don't expect to see him. I expect this, it to be Kyle McCord and probably Jack Miller in the second half. I expect to be Akron. But if you think about it, for as big of a game as this isn't supposed to be, all eyes might be on this Akron Ohio State game now. Oh yeah, like, they, definitely. I, and, and think about it. There's not the greatest games on at night on on Saturday night. The two premier games between ranked matchups is Texas and Arkansas, which is a three thirty Eastern kickoff, and a twelve o'clock Eastern kickoff with Notre Dame and Wisconsin. After that, it's all about preference. Who's your favorite team? Do you want to see you know Florida and Tennessee play big time game? But there's not necessarily implications on that game here. Say. Where like you're gonna be watching what is Ohio State gonna look like for the rest of the year? Is this a, a true and do you think there is a possibility if Kyle McCord looks amazing, is it possible that he keeps the job for the rest of the year? Yeah, absolutely. It's college football. The most the most important thing to a college football coach is keeping their job and, and doing what they're told. Um, they don't get to make all the decisions. If if McCord, you know, who whichever quarterback plays great and runs the offense more effectively there's no doubt in my mind that they take the starting position like i know that <laughs> day wants to act like he's ride or die with stroud but the fact of the matter is college coaches don't die with their quarterbacks uh they're no so, they're so rotational it, it, it's it's just the facts of the of the business um 
you know, do I think CJ Stroud is to give up on him? No, it's nothing like that. But you're silly, especially in this Ohio State offense that is so based on taking advantage of the big shots. This is not a high volume passing offense. This is a high yards passing offense. Justin Fields, I believe it was two years ago, it was something like every seven passes was a touchdown. You know what I mean? They're very efficient. They're very effective. They get a ton of yards at once. This is not a dink and dunk offense. So if you got one player who can who can take advantage of when Olave or Wilson or and Jay, whoever breaks free and makes those throws, you have to stick with him because that's what all this is based on. Look at the Clemson game. You know, four, you know, base, I think it was three or four long touchdowns changed that whole game. If Fields doesn't complete one of those, you have a whole different, you know, game. Uh, nothing's changed. Uh, so it, it, it would just be insane to think that if if one of these guys looks really good, that they're not going to get a chance moving forward, especially in the the what we'll say middle of the road portion of the Big Ten schedule that's coming up for Ohio State. Yeah, we're going into conference play after Akron. That's something to look at. Granted, we kind of start from, but it only gets stronger. I mean, Michigan State's a lot better uh, than, than we thought they would be coming into the season. Obviously, Penn State, Indiana, but I mean, our next four games is Akron, then Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana. I think all four are winnable games. All, sure, all four we should win very heavily, but I think through these four games, and I think we'll have it decided prior to that, but I think through these four games, at, at the next two, I really believe, um, and we'll have to see what happens between that Rutgers and Michigan game. That is a battle of two undefeated teams, believe it or not. I mean, Rutgers is beat up on weak opponents, but so is Michigan. And, and so is, is Rutgers for real? Is Michigan for real? Are both teams overrated? We're about to see in that matchup also. Uh, but that's a matchup that, that you know, if, if Rutgers upsets Michigan, we're looking at possibly playing a ranked <laughs> Rutgers that's exactly. 4-0. And so you don't really have time to try and figure it out because, I mean, you're one more loss away from essentially, especially in Ohio State standard, your, your season being done. I mean, we don't care about the New Year Six. Honestly, we'll watch it. We love Ohio State, but that's not our goal is to play in the New Year Six Bowl. But one thing before I, before we move on to the rest of the quarterbacks and, and especially the draft-eligible quarterbacks, one thing I want everybody to pay attention to is if, if anybody thinks that this is not a tryout for Kyle McCord or Jack Miller, whoever gets the job, I want you to go back and watch the Tulsa game, and I want you to pay attention to something, Jeff, you probably would be able to tell me a little bit better because I think we have to go back that far to, to you know, put some uh, fact to this claim, but I'm pretty sure when is the last time, and we saw this with Ryan Day, Ryan Day took the ball out of C.J. Stroud's hands to win the game. Ryan Day stopped calling pass plays, solely put the win on the running backs. When is the last time we really saw that from an Ohio State quarterback? J.T. Barrett. Broke a lot of records. The ball was always in his hands. Granted, we did have Ezekiel Elliott, who, who had huge games, but the ball was never taken out of JT Barrett's hands. If you think about it, him and Zeke were running that run pass option efficiently. So it was still in his hands to make the right call, and JT Barrett hardly ever made the wrong call. We know the ball, even in the Indiana game with three picks, we saw a prime opportunity where the ball could be taken out of Justin Fields' hands, and it wasn't. And even against Northwestern, we still were throwing the ball, even though Trey Sermon had a monster game. There was still, we are putting Justin Fields in, in, in a position to make huge plays, to be a top-tier quarterback. We watched him literally take the ball 
We have Chris Olave, no catches, no no stats. The, a first round wide receiver. I don't. There were times he was open and he was missed. There were times he were overthrown. The two passes that he did catch were both on penalties. I think both holding calls, uh, if I'm not mistaken, on the offensive line. But like two play, two plays either overthrown or missed when he was wide open. That can't happen. You can't have a quarterback missing your a top 15 draft pick essentially. And he fa- he got the ball to Garrett Wilson. So there was no Tulsa didn't have a corner where they locked down Chris Olave and he wasn't oh. get, having his way with the defenders. It was just the fact CJ Stroud couldn't get him the ball and we were having our way in the trenches. But that is something if you don't believe a Kyle McCord or a Jack Miller is not having a tryout and a possibility to have a stake to be quarterback one, I think you're delusional or I think you need to go back and watch the Tulsa game because I mean, Jeff, you could probably remember the last time more better than me. When's the last time a quarterback got the ball taken out of his hands to win a game? Man, it's it's been a long time. You, I mean, you would have to go back. I mean, obviously before the before the Braxton Miller years, when they, when they when it was really like, well, this guy will just get us through the game. I mean, they, they've all had their flaws over the years, but that that was another thing I didn't like about the game. So if you're going to do that, just put just put the other guy in. Um, you know, nobody knows except for Ryan Day, like what his thought process is on it. To me, one of my theories is that he was he was brought up, you know, in the NFL. And that is a like you touched on it. That's a your quarterback damn near has to go out on a stretcher for them to lose their job. Um, I, I don't agree with that, but that's how the NFL is run. So I, I don't know if that factors in this loyalty thing or maybe, you know, he sees him in practice. We trust what he sees. If that's the case and McCord like. Let's put it this way. Nobody's really talked about this. We all assume McCord's going to come out here and light it up or Miller, whoever. So if Stroud's a starter, if one of those two or both of them come out and they're worse or they're not as effective to not be as negative, then we're in, that's a whole different conversation that nobody's and you, had yet. We, Why, you we, and me have talked about that. I've said that was, is my concern is like we didn't jump on the opportunity. CJ Stroud's hurt. We should put a guy in like against Tulsa. Like, I don't think if CJ Stroud was like, and I believe he was really hurt because like I said, there were, there were reports that he he was grabbing his shoulder prior to the Oregon game. This isn't fluff. He was grabbing his shoulder prior to the Tulsa game. This isn't a fluff and a cop out, but it does concern me that like if CJ Stroud is your quarterback one and he's going into a game against Tulsa injured, I'll tell you like this. Justin Fields doesn't play that game. Justin Fields injured does not play against Tulsa. I don't think. I think we may try and give him a run, but I, part of me thinks you protect Justin Fields against Tulsa and you ride or die with whoever your backup is because essentially we've had talented enough backups yeah. to the point like last year would have been, we'd have been riding with CJ Stroud or, or Jack Miller. Since we've had talented enough backups, we could get through Tulsa. Like that's not the game where we're about to go into Big Ten play. I think Justin Fields sits, but I think with CJ Stroud, what if, like you said, what if it's a talent thing? What if they are not as good as, as projected? What if Kyle McCord is not the five star? What if Jack Miller is the reports are true of, of what I've been hearing about? He was more highly recruited than he is giving production and he's not as great. And a lot of schools will go after him and he'll end up as like a quarterback at a Vanderbilt. Like I, I've read things and heard things like that with Jack Miller. So that that's the scary thing. And we'll find out against Akron. Hopefully Akron is not a struggle, no matter what it is. Like hopefully our running backs play amazing in our defense. Like hopefully we don't allow over 500 yards um, on Akron's quarterback and offense. And I think we should be fine anyway, but this game has a lot of implications to Buckeye country and Buckeye nation about what the future of our season 
looks like and essentially the future of three quarterbacks because if neither one of these guys look good i mean it's it's handed to Quinn Ewers next year yeah like, yeah it, like and right. it may be that may be the case anyway um but if it looks like none of these guys are competent we are ride or dying with Quinn Ewers and all these guys are transferring yeah. you know come springtime i just don't see a way where Quinn Ewers is fighting with this highly recruited as he is in a season of struggle from all three of these guys no way like everybody like like you said the boosters Quinn Ewers are I'm pulling some money Quinn Ewers are you on the hot seat you know with your job Ryan Day and who would have thought like making the playoffs two years in a row making it to a national championship and a year later you know a year removed from that you're sitting there possibly with your job on the line but it's that serious at Ohio State so I do want to move on the quarterback class as a whole uh, mainly the draft eligible quarterbacks. I mean, if you want me to be honest, the quarterback play quarterback play in college football has really not been that amazing. Period. There's about three guys, three underclassmen, draft eligible quarterbacks. There's really only about three guys that I have watched so far that have really impressed me. That I'm like, he's a guy. He's he's a top tier draft pick, and that's Matt Corral. Bryce Young and Malik, Malik Willis has, has impressed me over at Liberty. I get hesitant about guys from those kind of small schools, but he still has impressed me. I've, I've liked what I've seen from him, but I definitely wouldn't use him as number one pick. I wouldn't be a top five pick getting Malik Willis. That's just me personally, and we'll get into that. But what do you make of, first off, this class? What are your thoughts of this quarterback class? Draft eligible guys. Um, and then from there, if you're a GM, and and we'll go under the assumption you're you're the Lions or Texans GM. Those are those two teams don't have their quarterback of the future, and they're more likely to have the worst records in the NFL, especially when we talk about guys who feel like they have their QBs of the future. So if you're one of those GMs, two part question, but what do you think about the class overall? And if you're one of these GMs, are you considering rocking with who you have at quarterback? Or you is there a guy in this class that you like? Well, oh yeah, one one guy that's jumped off the page. You can't you can't deny what Matt uh, Corral's done this season. It, he's fantastic to watch. He looks he look he you know he reminds me of the you know the the Kyler Murray that fast twitch. You know don't don't give him a second. He'll take the easy yards. You know kind of guy. You know just every everything he's done is just 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 blown me away. Now. I haven't had a chance like our like our friend Stuart Brooking to really break down like Corral and like watch him. I've just I've just watched him play. And as a college quarterback, he's just cleaning up. No, no doubt that he's working his way up. I like I like Malik Willis a lot. Uh I think he checks so many boxes. Some of the best games I saw last year because of the way the schedule was. If everybody remembers the weird COVID year in college football, um, you got to see a lot a lot of teams that you didn't normally. And uh, I got to see him play a couple times. I'm really impressed with that guy. Overall, Sam Howe, I don't know what to make of Sam Howe. I think he's going to be a NFL evaluator quarterback. I don't think it matters what he does in college this year. I don't think he cares what he does in college this year. I think it's all going to be the interview room. It's going to be his pro day. I don't think anything's going to change from start to finish. I haven't been blown away by him, but I also then every now and then he makes a throw and I'm like, okay, that's an NFL throw. So that's the number one thing about a quarterback. You have to at least have the ability to make the throws. Like there's just a certain set of throws you have to be able to make the, the long out route, uh, the post in the corner. Um, you know, the, there's just, there's two or three throws that you either can or you can't make that have cost guys their jobs over the years. Sam Howell has those throws. But just 
North Carolina is not great. The offensive line situation. I don't honestly, I don't know how much he, you know, involved he is in the season right now. He's going to be good. To answer your other question, if I'm a GM, do I see any of these guys that I'm like, that's it, no doubt, number one pick. He, he's going to lead us into the future. I really don't like I did last year. Um, and last year, honestly, the top three I felt good about. Not the top three that went. My top three, which would have been uh, Fields, Lawrence, and uh, Lance. Uh, I don't. The the Wilson thing I think has turned out how I thought it would. Not saying he can't become a better quarterback, but. I don't know, but see, there's something else to to touch on. If I'm the GM, I'm kind of looking at what the Rams have done. I'm kind of looking what even the Lions have done with like, okay, we've saw this highly drafted quarterback play for a few years, struggle, show flashes, but he's got the time in. He looks like a guy that fits in our system. We're ready for him. You know, that's the big thing. Is I heard a you know a analysts say it the other day not only does your quarterback need to be ready for a team is your team ready for that quarterback um and we've seen you know carolina panthers the rams they're ready for that particular player so maybe that's the future is let's let the other teams quote unquote make a mistake on a first round pick and then in three years when they don't want to pick up his contract which we'll talk about contracts here in a little bit now we pick this guy up now we know what we've got we've got a literally a hundred guys we can interview about his personality, his work ethic, uh, you know, his practice habits and all that. We've get so much more data on this guy. And, and this team has, has risked the big money. And now we know what, now we know what we got, you know, it's, it's more of a budget thing. So if I'm a GM, I'm looking at three to four year quarterbacks going into this and this class, especially, I mean, if we were going to talk about at one point, JT Daniels, if you if if JT Daniels is a first round quarterback, I don't know if I need anybody from this class. Um, you know, nothing against JT. He's he's coming around, but he doesn't jump off the pages. He's going to turn my NFL franchise around. That I think is yeah. what you're getting at. And yeah, you can have a Spencer Rattler conversation if you want. I don't know if you want I mean, to go first. You want me to do it? I, okay, so I, I'll bounce off of everything you said. I agree with you. Um, we we our eyes kind of tell us the same thing, and and I typically dive into the quarterbacks a little bit later. I just kind of enjoy their talent, watch what Agreed. I see. But I mean, I don't have to analyze. My eyes aren't telling me lies. Like I don't have to go any deeper to tell me that Spencer Rattler's arm talent is amazing, but his production is not there right now. Like with a quarterback that you're telling me is number one pick worthy, would we have seen Clemson struggle with Tulane? Would we have seen Ohio State with Justin Fields struggle with Tulane offensively? Like we're not talking about on the defensive end. When it comes to looking at quarterbacks, I don't care about the defense. If you come in a tight game because your defense is giving up big plays, that is not on your quarterback, and that does not murder the quarterback's draft stock. To me, that's just me personally. Team success especially when we talk about colleges, there are really good quarterbacks on bad teams, but they put up the stats and everything like that. It happens. And that's okay. Every team success is not always on the quarterback. So if they're in a close game and he's offensively, he's thrown for 400 plus yards, four or five touchdowns, 65 to 70% completion percentage, you know, has a high, and I'm not big in QBR, but it, it is a, has a high quarterback rating. He did his job. He did his job as a prospect. He did his job as a quarterback for the team that day. And it comes down to the rest of everybody else. Spencer Rattler's not doing that. He's not wowing you statistically. He's not necessarily those wild arm talent throws, scrambling on a pocket, throwing cross body are overthrows. They're inaccurate throws. They're not there. They're not on the money. Um, so, and he's coming in 
he's still highly, you know, I think every it's him and Sam Howell might be in a two man race right now today. Uh, I think Matt Corral is, is, you know, he's coming. Like, I think he's right there. If you ask me right now, he's there. I'd put him above them right now. You could say it's overreact. They haven't played quality teams, but neither has Oklahoma or, I mean, North Carolina played Virginia Tech, but whatever. Like, if that's the biggest quality we're talking about, I'm not impressed by Virginia Tech's defense either. Well, let me ask you a question, Mo. Uh, of course, you, like we talk about the Tulane comparison. I don't know if you saw what Corral did to Tulane, but it was devastating compared to Oklahoma. He ran, he threw, like he it, did it all. So another question, you know, I'll say we call it a copycat, copycat league all the time. Right, right now, as we speak, after week two, Kyler Murray is the the buzz in the NFL. He's the it thing, MVP candidate and all this. So if you're watching Kyler Murray play and you're the NFL teams and you're watching Corral out there, to me, I think he jumps ahead of uh, Sam Howe because you, you have to build a certain type of team around Sam Howe and to where some of these other guys that have some more intangibles like a Fields or you know Kyler Murray or one of these guys, Deshaun Watson when he you know was playing, like it, it, is Corral moving up? quickly especially with the success of russell wilson kyler murray these guys that can get out of the pocket and do extraordinary things you know beyond you know just just the arm talent it's where rattler i think is missing that opportunity you just said on he's making a lot of throws in the nfl or interceptions that's what you're getting at and you know what i mean when you talk about these it looks cute throwing across the body but that, that don't work against Tampa bay buccaneers hey yeah it's going the no. other way and, and the thing is, is if you ask me today, if I was to drop a quarterback rankings, I don't care about anything else. Matt Corral's number one. If, if I looked at who do I, who would I trust in the NFL right right now through three games, Matt Corral looks like the best quarterback in the country, not named Bryce Young. And Bryce Young isn't draft eligible. Or Bryce Young might be my number one quarterback, but he's not draft eligible. Matt Corral looks like the best draft eligible quarterback through three weeks, going on four weeks of college football. It's undeniable. Like, what he has done, and, and you can blank, well, Tulane put up this, like, they only put up 20-something points, but that's on his defense. That man ran all over Tulane, threw all over Tulane, and ended the game early offensively. That's exactly what he did, and that's what you need an NFL top prospect. But my to, to go, and like my answer on the second question I asked you, even though Matt Corral, I think, is the best draft-eligible quarterback today, I don't see, none of these quarterbacks are top eight pick worthy. Top eight. I'm going as far as top eight, and we'll we'll put this we'll put this in perspective. I, and I know quarterbacks are first off. I think quarterbacks are, are expected to save a franchise. One, I don't think any of these guys are it. Maybe Corral. If I do do it, I do Corral. Like you said, because I look at Russell Wilson, I look at I look at uh, Kyler Murray, and and essentially like there's but there's not a lot of teams that are hurting for quarterbacks when you think about it. The the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff is the best quarterback in this draft class if he is in this draft class today. Tyrod Taylor produces next year, just next year, just as much as, if not more, he will produce more than any of these quarterbacks will as rookies next year. And I know you look at for the future, but with Houston Texans, if I have the number one or number two pick, you're talking about Kyle Hamilton, one of the most talented safeties I've, you know, I've come across in a long time. Like, he has... Ed Reed, Sean Taylor, Troy Polamalu, potential at safety. These are greatest guys. Like Ed Reed is the greatest safety of all time. On his heels, Troy Polamalu. We wish we could have saw enough of Sean Taylor. He was at that. He's that caliber at safety. Kayvon Thibodeau, 
What have we seen success of defensive end? Obviously, the three coming from Ohio State, you know, Bosa, the Bosa brothers and Chase Young. Defensive ends, Matt, Bradley Chubb, Von Miller kind of being that outside linebacker defensive end. Michael Parsons moving from linebacker to defensive end and having an effective day. First time playing defensive end, having an effective day. Kayvon Thibodeau is that. Whatever guy you think is, is a monumental defensive talent and can't miss, like the way you feel about Michael Parsons this year is the way I feel about Thibodeau. You can't pass up on him. He's yep. Miles Garrett in, in two, three years. Like, and those guys are that significant to a defense. Aaron Donald, granted, Donald is a defensive tackle, but these guys getting to the quarterback are that significant. No top tier defense doesn't have a guy that can't get to the quarterback. That, that's just, and so for me, when I'm looking, I'm looking at some of the quarterbacks on these teams. I'm looking at a Jared Goff. Obviously, if Jacksonville's bad, they have Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, if the Jets are bad, they have Zach Wilson. Like, do you, you're you giving up on Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence year one? I don't think so. So I'm I'm looking at four teams that I would rock with their quarterbacks, and I love the 2023. I love the 2023 draft class more than this one. So that would also be another thing. And you have some talent offensively, defensively. Detroit get them a top tier weapon, and and it changed on the offensive side, and it changes. Or the the offensive lineman from Alabama, like I love him. Put him on the opposite side or the same side, kind of like how the Jets did with Makai Becton and Vera, Elijah Vera Tucker. Like you know, uh, uh, Detroit can do the same thing with Penny Sewell back to back with the offensive lineman from Alabama, and I like Golf. I think Golf is at least feasible, and he's better than all these quarterbacks right now. Like he goes number one. So that's where I'm looking at top eight. My top four, my four worst teams uh, I'm looking at, and I don't think, you know, even if I did it according to your power rankings, I like Teddy Bridgewater. I like Sam Darnold. Like all the guys that you would say are fighting for, I like pretty much every quarterback from care. I like Sam Darnold. I like Teddy Bridgewater. Like all those guys, I like their quarterback. Philly, I like Jalen Hurts. If if they're going to be a bad team, maybe there's, there's one. And I hate to say it, sorry at our guys at the network, but maybe like the only quarterback I see that would not be as good as maybe Matt Corral day one is Daniel Jones. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's a guy well, I don't love, but, well, but, but there's a couple teams that are going to need quarterbacks, but I'm totally with you. There's just that they, because they, all these quarterbacks they've drafted so many of the last few years, and then you've got the ones they drafted before that. I mean, every put it this way, every team doesn't have two good quarterbacks, but every team's got two like, highly almost every team's got two like highly drafted quarterbacks now but the the problem with this is like tampa bay that's a team that should draft a quarterback of the future but obviously these but they guys, got kyle trask like is that how they looked at kyle trask sitting behind well, brady yeah exactly that's what i'm saying like these are just teams like like washington has to get a quarterback like that's there's no you know question there or another quarterback i should say but yeah that's what i mean it's so flooded i just don't you know, that's why I said when I look at the rankings, I don't even really I don't really care that much about who the if you give me the top eight quarterbacks going into the draft next year, I really don't worry that much about who the next four are. Like th they'll figure it out. Cause if you're down right. there, like if let's put it this way, I just when I look at the class, I'm like I, I just don't I don't like okay, if we're gonna rank Desmond Ritter as uh getting drafted as an NFL quarterback, like um we can stop. You know what I mean? Like we we can <laughs> and if just, he we exactly. Stop it there. 
after about the top four or five, hardly ever do you get classes where like, yeah, six through eight, but those are your like day three guys, maybe late day two, day three guys. Like that's like last year's class. Did you really care where Kellamon went? Like, no, not really. You didn't right. like, you know, like, and he may turn out to be, he reminded yeah. me a lot of Dak Prescott, but the, the fact is like, I don't care where he went. Like I, once I seen him went to Minnesota, ah, good. So I want to move on and talk about the NFL quarterbacks that are thriving elsewhere. Uh, Sam Darnold, obviously in another spot. Some of the rookie quarterbacks too, but Tyrod Taylor, unfortunate. You know, I know yeah. that's your guy and unfortunate with the hamstring injury because he started out on fire. Looked great against Jacksonville. Was looking really good against uh, Cleveland prior to the injury. But, you know, Sam Darnold looks amazing in Carolina. He looks absolutely amazing. Yeah. He looks like the guy we all thought he was coming out of the draft. Like, hey, this is the really talented guy. And Carolina built a team around him. Like, you know, and, and they've taken advantage. I won't be necessarily beat the drums on Carolina, even though I was pitching them prior to the season. But I won't beat the drums too much because they have beaten very bad teams. They've done what they were supposed to do against bad teams. They beat the Saints, who we people jumped on the hype train early after dominating the Packers. But they also, they're about to beat the Texans today. Like, they, they've had they've had weak wins, and, and they beat the Jets week one. So their wins have not been impressive, but a team that you have any type of expectations on, they – they do what they're supposed to do. And Sam Darnold looks good. So I yeah. want to start with what, who's, what quarterbacks elsewhere, whether it's a rookie quarterback or any quarterback elsewhere, Tyrod Taylor, um, Sam Darnold, some of these other guys that are in other places impress you. Dak coming back from, he's not elsewhere, but coming back from an ankle injury is, is, is something like guys who are just against the odds this year. And a lot of them look amazing. So who's kind of impressed you? Well, that's tough. So the opposite, the first of all, the opposite of being against the odds, a guy that uh, got traded to Shangri-La is Matt Stafford out in L.A. Uh, oh, yeah. what, a per, what a what a perfect fit. He looks great. He just he even looks like better in the uniform, like even just him in the uniform, like, oh, that makes so much more sense now. Um, it's like uh, you're doing a creative player on, uh, you know, Madden or something. You're clicking through him. You're like, oh, that's it. That's it. I think we that's the look spot. right there. He, yep. just, he, he fits with that team. And I'm glad what's going on there, because I don't know if, you know, for whatever reason, I thought that he was. I, I was worried that he was going to miss his career. I really was. I, I think, I think Stafford, like say he would have went to new England 10 years ago is, a, is already in the hall of fame. And I still think he has a chance at that second part of his career. So, but that was a given, um, right. You know, I think Darnold has really impressed me with how he, he went there and everybody told me all summer, like, no, nah, he looks great. He looks great. I'm like, Oh, we'll see. You know what I mean? Cause I didn't like him coming out of USC. It, I'm starting to think of how bad the Jets actually were because every every player that they get already, people are just like Wilson's the worst thing I've ever saw. It's like what it is about the organization or whatever they're doing. But Darnold, when he when he plays, like he looks like he's been there a few years. Like people look at him like a four year quarterback, not some rehab project. Um, I was watching a little bit of the game before we recorded tonight. His arm talent's really good. His feet look good, um, and the team responds to him so extremely impressed with what what Darnold's done so far you know I'm impressed with how golf is is fighting through in Detroit uh you know if anybody watched the Monday night game I mean he 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 didn't I don't know he's he didn't get he didn't get you know swept under the rug so to speak I like how he's fighting and and trying to be a real quarterback in Detroit so I'm proud of him because I just I've always liked the guy I never had you know a hard feeling so you know that's a few of them but I mean Stafford 
just he just has to pinch himself every morning. Yeah, I mean Stafford is definitely the number one. Like, and and as expected, I mean this is a guy we saw we switch teams and we're like, there's an MVP candidate. Like that's yeah, he's, his not- his ceiling is MVP candidate. Like yeah. he automatically him being in the Rams. Like this is what we did with the Rams. They got Matt Stafford. Didn't really make any changes elsewhere. They got Matt Stafford. We moved them from a playoff team to a Super Bowl contender, let alone a Super Bowl, like the second favorite behind the Bucks. And I think it was like a 50-50 split as far as preseason predictions, who you got, the Rams or the Bucks. And we get to see that matchup this weekend. Excited for that. That's what Matt Stafford did. And, and of course, then you had the haters, the the Stat Pafford guys who, uh, he Stat Pats in Detroit and da-da-da. And it's like, you know, you know, Stat, they were lucky Stafford stayed as long as he did. I never, like, yeah, I never felt that about Stafford. I always felt like he was trying to win every game he was in. And I felt I, like and he I, was a really good quarterback on a really bad team. Like yeah, that I, was, but, but I felt like he tried to win. Like I really felt like he yeah. was trying to win the game and not just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I never isn't it kind of tough? See, my thing is padding stats as a quarterback in football is there's so many factors to consider one a stat pattern that it's kind of tough. Like, we're down so – oh, you could say – like, the only thing that you could say is Detroit found themselves down so many games – or so many points that they had no choice but to throw the ball. Okay, but that's not stat padding. That's just being a quarterback on a – that's just being a good quarterback on a bad team. That's yeah. all that is. Yeah. I'm not pat or stat padding. I'm just a bad quarterback – or a good quarterback on a bad team. What do you do when you're down three touchdowns? You throw the ball. That's just what you do. It was people's knock on Dak, and I'm like, okay – so you're going to punish Dak for playing on a bad defense, like playing on yeah. a team with a bad defense. Oh, well, well, he wouldn't do that in a tight game. He's doing what is asked of him and what is required of him to try to win games. That's it. Oh, well, my quarterback doesn't throw the ball. Well, your quarterback is also on a better team. Like the Cowboys are not Super Bowl contenders. You know what I'm saying? And, and well, that you got Zeke. Why are you throwing the ball that much? Well, we also got Dak who's, you know, telling the world and telling him he's worth $40 million. So what he does have to do is he has to prove it by throwing the ball a lot. And he does a fairly good job at that. But I mean, that's Matt Stafford. I love the Jared Goff. I mean, I think Jared Goff looks good. Like, like I said, if he was in the draft and I know he's a seasoned guy has played in the Super Bowl, so it's not fair, but I'm just looking at his talent. He's just as talented as any quarterback, maybe outside of Matt Corral coming in. Like maybe that's a conversation. And right now, I mean, I guess the, the, Corral could end the conversation based on his performance against Alabama. Not win or lose, but if he plays amazing, like I think it's a wrap. And and we might be talking about we're looking at between him and Bryce Young, we are looking at our uh, Heisman winners. Whether he went, if he wins that game, his stock goes up even more and his Heisman chances go up. But I think you're going to be watching the two front runners of Heisman play in two weeks with Ole Miss. In, in Alabama, shout out to Walker. I know he'd love to hear that, but that's the God honest truth. Like those are the two best quarterbacks in college football, regardless of, of, you know, draft eligible or not freshman. So it doesn't matter. Those are the two best quarterbacks uh, in college football. And you might be able to see him, but I love Jared Goff. I love what he's doing. Uh, like you said, Sam Darnold, I was rooting for Sam Darnold. I just find myself a lot of times rooting for the underdogs. Like I just don't like, and I was never a Sam Darnold fan. I'm not a USC fan. But it's just the fact, like, people were so hard on him. And it's like, who succeeded? Like, we are so hard on a guy who literally the joke yeah. of the you go to that franchise to die. Yeah. Like, players go there to die. They're not getting – free agents. Le'Veon suffered. Look at Le'Veon. 
Like now look at Le'Veon Bell. Like he's a practice squad player and it's because he spent two years in with, with the Jets. Like, and granted that's his fault. He wanted the money, but like you think it's a coincidence that arguably the best running back in the league, top three guy looks like incompetent in an off season without getting hurt. I don't see it. Like he sat, he sat a whole season. I get that, but he never got hurt. He never got banged up. And all of a sudden he goes to the Jets and he can't get me three yards of carry. Like yeah. that's the Le'Veon we saw. He can't get me four or five receptions out the backfield. Like, but we were so hard on Sam Darnold. And so I hope he does go to Carolina. I hope Carolina is a really good team. I'm not a Panthers fan, but I don't have a reason to hate against the Panthers. So I would love to see him go there and just have uber success and just make all the Jets fans just miserable. Make that front <laughs> office be fired. Like, I just don't like how they, he's looked at. And you see it, like you said, you see it with Zach Wilson. But I mean, now I did on overreaction Monday because I had to spice it up a little bit. You know, we were, we were being a little boring on overreaction Monday, if you want to be honest. And I said, Zach Wilson is going to be a bust. Somebody had to go out there on the limb and say something crazy because we hadn't seen it yet. And Cruz was on there. Cruz was on the show and didn't go Cruz Island. So I had to make up for that. And I said, Zach Wilson, he's going to be a bust. And here's why. First off, he's in the worst situation. It's not all on Zach Wilson, but one, he was the number two pick in the draft. That holds a lot of weight. I don't care where you go, but he's in the worst situation. It doesn't look like it's going to get any better. He has some protection. His weapons are below mediocre and his run game is kind of like not even there. You're hoping some guys hit. Makai Becton gets hurt, so that hurts him this year already as far as the protection goes. And so I, I think he's going to be – like he's just in a bad organization and they're too much on the, oh, he looked really talented at BYU. Well, Taysom Hill, I guess, looked talented at BYU too, and we see where he's at. He's backing up Jameis Winston, who is a quarterback, who has looked a tale of two games. Looked great in one, looked back to Jameis Winston in another. Tale of two games when it came to Jameis. But – it's, I think with Zach Wilson, that's what you're going to get. And every, I, I give him slack a little bit because he did play against, you know, uh, Bill Belichick coming up four interceptions. Yeah. And Bill Belichick is a rookie quarterback killer. But here's the thing here's the thing. That man threw three picks before he threw three completions. Yeah. At one point, his first two picks were interceptions 0 for 2 with two picks. That was his stat line. He threw three interceptions before he threw three completions. Is the Patriots defense missing their best cornerback, one of the best cornerbacks in the game is Stephon Gilmore. Like, were they able – they weren't putting the worst of pressure, so they were able to make him look that bad. Was it more Bill Belichick taking advantage of Wilson, or was it more like, hey, Wilson isn't as ready as we thought. He had no choice going to the Jets. The minute Sam Darnold got traded, you knew he was getting thrown into the fire, and Wilson just isn't ready. Like, he just isn't ready, and I think his, his, his confidence could be damaged, and he may never be ready. Yeah, he, he, you know, it could be a, you know, we hit, you hit throw it out there, like a Josh Rosen situation, which is, I, I think, one of the saddest quarterback situations I ever saw because I don't think the kid, you know, he wasn't Jamarcus Russell or Ryan Leaf. I don't think he, I don't think he was a head case and got himself out of the, I think he just, or, uh, you know, a, a, another one, uh, David Carr's brother, um, Derek, or no, sorry, David Carr, uh, another one, you know, bad situation you know, kind of played himself out of it. Uh, I know it's early on Zach Wilson, but there, there's experts too that would probably agree with you, Mo, you know, as far as like maybe they didn't see what some people thought they saw in Wilson. You know, time, time will tell, but I do think he's – I do think he's a – I mean, we're going to say quarterbacks play into the late 30s now. He could be at 
it might be 26, 27, 28 year old guy before he's, you know, really ready to play NFL football, like a Brad Johnson type or somebody like that, you know, to bring back a name. Cause we forget that, that a lot of these quarterbacks, even really good ones weren't, not, weren't good out of the gate. Sometimes it takes time and another team like Darnold, all these, you know, speaking of another guy that's went to another team is very successful. Uh, my man, Teddy Bridgewater, just, just knows how to play quarterback. He's, like this guy, physical talent, he is maybe, I mean, he's probably a bottom 30 in the league at physical talent as far as just gifted physical talent on a football field. But the guy knows how to, has learned how to play the position, just keeps getting through it. You know, 2-0 in Denver, you know, surprisingly enough, with some pretty good stats. So, you know, that that's a guy that just, you know, kind of figures out how to get it done. So shout out to Teddy Bridgewater. That's a new face and a new place that is is doing is doing remarkable. And I love to see it. And some good weapons along with that. Like, yeah. like Denver's not lack of weapons. Now, granted, Jerry Judy, uh, you know, uh sprained his ankle, which kind of took away, but still they got some good weapons, good young tight end, some young receivers, uh, good little running back tandem. So he also wasn't put in a bad situation. No, no, uh, no. And there was pressure. Because Fangio essentially picking Teddy Bridgewater could have been coaching for his job with that decision. And people like Drew Locke has wowed people with his arm talent. But once again, he never the production was never matching the talent. And that happens. Sometimes guys are crazy talented, but the production doesn't match just because the fit isn't correct. I mean, look at Jameis. Like, Jameis had crazy production, but we only point out his 30 interceptions. But, like, he had some crazy statistical, you know, uh, yeah. categories. But at the same time, like... He's a he's a, a a a Brett Favre type of quarterback. I'm not saying, but like he's a you know he could he's turnover prone. But if he gets a coach who also runs a turnover prone offense, they're not gonna they're not a match made ahead you know of you. What? Saw that with Tom Brady last year. I'm, I'm like glad Tom you, Brady, I'm glad you know, you like you up, saw bro. with Tom Brady because because people like to kill. But sometimes the coach in the in the quarterback is not a match, and that's okay because you see Sam Darnold leaves, boom, like. Have him and, and Matt Rule and Joe Brady. Maybe it's the, all the credit to Joe Brady, but they're a match over there. Carolina matches him. He matches Carolina. So that's another thing is like it's it's about the situation. And you look at, I think uh, I think Sean Payton is the yin to Jameis's yang. Hey, you're a turnover-prone guy. I'm a guy we run a very sophisticated but simple offense. I put you in the best situations to succeed no matter the down no matter the circumstance i'm gonna draw up the perfect play and obviously it's not always executed to perfection or else drew Brees would be the most perfect quarterback of all time and sean payton would be the most perfect coach of all time but he never puts you in posi positions to turn the ball over and that's what that's Jameis's weakness he will sling it all up and down the field and turn the ball over if you let him and that was bruce arian's offense and you saw until last year mid-season about week six week seven when he finally realized, man, maybe I should change my philosophy. I do have the greatest quarterback of all time taking snaps. He's not playing the greatest. And it's not the fact like in the offseason or the minimal offseason due to COVID and all that. But his talent is there. But he's not producing the way I thought the greatest quarterback of all time would uplift his franchise. Boom. Hey, Tom, we're going to let you call the plays. We're going to let you fix the system a little bit to pertain to you as a quarterback. Now yeah. look at him. Well, wins a Super Bowl and that office looks unstoppable in year two look, with Tom look, Brady, and he looks look, as great as he ever has, and it's his, amazing. His like best start ever. So I mean, even 07. But um, you know, you brought something up that it just it's not 
they're they're starting to use this word more and more, and I'm, it makes me so happy. It's a it's it's a pre-snap quarterback. How good are how good you know are you at pre-snap? And they're starting to call these guys like Tom Brady's the absolutely beyond the shadow of a doubt best pre-snap quarterback ever. And I think Peyton Manning's probably second. And then you know you would have to know you'd have to really go into it to find. But I think. Brady and Manning are one and two best pre-snap quarterbacks ever. And I think Bridgewater's a guy. I think he's a pre-snap quarterback. I think he can glance up, you know, and see like, oh, okay, you know, their safety, their safety's sneaking up, or he's he's, you know, he's doubling this guy or this guy, and he can recognize it really quick and he can take advantage of those. That's how you get when people you know, how many times have you heard a, f- a football fan say, well, I don't know why they they can hit their tight end over the middle for 20 yards every time, but that's all pre-snap. That's recognizing coverage, and that's your tight end recognizing the coverage and taking those easy 10 to 15 yards. After the snap, it gets much, much, much harder. And, of course, the rookies are going to struggle with that. I mean, that's just common. But we just we don't talk enough about recognizing the defense and knowing, you know, when you hear, you know, a defensive player and an offensive player talk about what they see at the line of scrimmage, the the amount of information that they process in a matter of about three seconds is just off the charts that, you know, that we don't see, we see the outcome and we go, well, I, how many times I remember when I was growing up, you know, during the Montana years, uh, Montana was killing everybody with, you know, slant routes all game long. You couldn't guard Jerry Rice, John Taylor on a slant route. They're like, why doesn't everybody just do that? Why doesn't everybody just do that? Well, because Montana, recognizes which linebackers blitzing and which linebackers dropping into coverage and, and things like that. So that slant route's completed before he snaps the ball. And that's the whole key. It's not, you know, that's why Tom Brady is the best now is the, he gets rid of the ball so quick because he knows when he snaps the ball, what what it's going to look like. And so if you can find a way to confuse him, that's when you can beat Tom Brady. And we've seen it a few times over the years and uh, they did to Mahomes last year, Tampa Bay, your Tampa Bay confused Mahomes just enough to slow him down and that's all it took to win a Super Bowl. So it's all about the pre-snap quarterback and that what we got to learn is how to measure that on these guys because college systems are not pre-snap systems. So right. that's the yeah, whole that's true. that is that is the dividing line and scouts do not know how to gauge that yet. And that's why they feel more comfortable with quote unquote prototype quarterbacks because they're like they've at least seen him do it a little as to where a guy like Corral you're like Nobody in the NFL is running an offense like that yet. I have no idea what this guy is going to do, you know, when he plays the Pittsburgh Steelers week three. You, and you know what yeah. I'm saying? So that that's the dividing line when we talk about drafting quarterbacks. And it, it costs a lot of money to figure that out the hard way. Yeah, and, and before we hit our last topic, what I want to speak on, you know, having played quarterback, I have that experience with exactly what you're talking about. But it's also not only does it get done there, but and, – and I love the Monday night football – being able to watch it with the Mannings because yes. that really shows it's it gets done Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. That pre-snap quarterback that you want also gets done, you know, Monday through Saturday watching film, digesting film because not you can't read pre-snaps if you're not reading tendencies in the film room. If you're Great not point. knowing what teams are how they're lining up and what you expect for them to do, what do they do in these situations? And it takes a lot And if you think about it, from the time that you call the play, depending on the play clock or whatever, there's about anywhere from the time that you call the play and get to the line, there's about 10 to 15 seconds 
not even between the snap. We're talking about from the time you call play to the whistle blows at the end of the play. There's about 10 to 15 seconds within that where you're reading defenses, trying to figure out maybe you need to make an audible, make a play call, make a switch, make a make a not a, a pass protection. Like you're doing all that. Hey, switch his route. You're running a slant. He's pressing. You can beat him deep. Like you're doing all of that. And then you're snapping the ball. And what goes through your mind in two and a half seconds would amaze anybody if they ever put themselves in that position. Right. Because you have a play drawn up, and all it takes is one mistake on the on the offense, one capitalize on a mistake on the defense to change the whole outcome of the play that you drew up. You have a primary receiver, and that's where people get on quarterbacks while he reads his primary guys. Yeah, and that that is a knock because a lot of times – Good defenses make you change who your primary guy is. And you have 10 to 15 seconds is all you have to call a play, read all that, snap the ball, and complete the play before the whistle blows. Two and a half to three seconds is all you have in the pocket before either A, the ball has to be out of your hands, or B, you have to be out of the pocket and extend the play. So people don't understand that. And watching the Mannings, like I suggest anybody who wants a little bit more understanding at the quarterback position, watch Peyton and Eli because they really break it down. And not only that, they show you what – and we could talk about Eli or whatever, but they show you what great quarterbacks do for preparation. Peyton yep. Manning, watching guys line up on offense and defense, <laughs> Tony Romo did it. Tony Romo did it in the booth. Yeah. And we, you know, showing us what these defenses are going to do, watch, and then you watch it happen and come into fruition. You're like, oh my God. But that's the type of preparation that these great quarterbacks have. And that's what happens yep. in about a two and a half, three second window before you have to get out of the pocket and the ball has to be out of your hands. It yep. happens that quick, but like you said, you watch the play, you see the end result, you don't think about what's in between. We're sitting on the TV screen. He was open. How did you not see that? But it's like, it's a lot more than that because he also seen a linebacker break through the hole. He saw he has to make this move and extend it. He sees that DM beats his tackle, tackle or guard. Like, it's that. Like, it, it goes through your mind like that. But speaking of quarterbacks, we'll speak on these quarterbacks are very valuable to a team, they're very valuable to a franchise. They're very valuable to the world. The most valuable position, probably in all of sports. Essentially, a quarterback is the most valuable position in all of sports. I would say the toughest position to play outside of maybe goalie and hockey. And I just say because wins and losses come down to goalie play a lot of times. And it's it's more complex to play quarterback. But I just look at the tough. Like I think sock playing goalie in soccer and hockey is right there just because wins and losses come to how you protect your protect your house. That's Wins fair. and losses come to how great your quarterback is. That that's do you have a really good quarterback? You're a really good team, unless you could compensate for other places. And what better to talk about compensating for for lack of 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 skills than Baker and his worth? <laughs> we know this is a contract year. He has not impressed me through the first two games as far as an individual. What are you worth? The team looks pretty decent, but what is Baker worth? And first off, no no quarterback throws a pick and practically almost dislocates his shoulder trying to make a hit. No guy looking to get paid puts himself in harm's way like that. Not a quarterback. A quarterback never puts himself in harm's way without the ball in his hands. Like, that just doesn't happen. That's just another knock on Baker Mayfield. But he's looking to get paid. We've seen Josh Allen get a lot of money. And through two weeks, he doesn't look like he's worth that contract. Buffalo's offense has struggled. Their run game looks a lot stronger. Their pass game doesn't. Um... But that's something people won't pay attention to. They're one and one. They beat the the Dolphins 35-0. Josh Allen did not look good. If you really watch the game, his completion percentage, he's almost at close to 50%, which is not what I pay a guy almost $300 million to do. 
Uh, I expect you to be in the upper echelon of most statistics, unless guys are having like historically fast starts, then, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. But getting paid where he gets paid, I expect more. But Baker Mayfield, first things first, what are your thoughts on Baker Mayfield in a contract year right now? Man, I don't know what to make of this guy. Like, I'm looking at his stats, and I'm, like, he's throwing 81% completion, but he's also got one touchdown, two interceptions. That's 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 so far this season. It's this is one of those tough ones. Like, he's he is he is better than I thought he was going to be. I understand that he he is helping Cleveland win, right? This here's what happens with the Baker Mayfield conversation. So everybody does this. Cleveland's good. They watch what they did in the playoffs. It was fantastic. The last few games of the year was fantastic. And they're like, okay, he's their guy. They've got their guy. And then somebody will ask you this question. Okay, where, where would you rank him amongst the quarterbacks? And then once you start doing it, you'll wind up at Baker at like 13, 14, 15. And, and you'll go, wait a minute. I just said this guy is a playoff quarterback you know, for a really, really, really good team. He's the player of the future. And then I just ranked him 17th overall. Like, what? okay, let me try this again. And you'll, you'll just like, you'll just like keep doing it and doing it. He's just, he's just one of those guys that the outcome of the game is surpassing what he's doing on the field. Like you talked about padding stats. He's the opposite of that. Everybody's like, well, he's got a great run game. That's the game. Okay. So if that's the case, then you, you don't you don't really need you know more like the assumption the assumption with these quarterbacks in a run heavy system is well they could do more they just don't have to are you sure because most teams would score more points and throw the ball more if they could um you know why does oh, here's another question okay so then why doesn't every team in the league go back to a, a run heavy offense well because it it's just not sustainable so it's just this conundrum that is Baker Mayfield. I I understand the fans love him. I understand it looks like his teammates really like him. But I would what I would love to do is get his wide receivers together and be like, okay, be be honest with me here. Like how good is he? That's that's how you would find out. So Cleveland is in the terrible position. How how do they not pay Baker Mayfield? But then again, like once you pay him, you're like, here's what you're going to say the next day. Man, we just gave Baker Mayfield 170 million dollars, and like, who, who do you? Okay, if you got to start a team tomorrow, or next, we'll start at the beginning of next season. Do you take Baker Mayfield or do you take Matt Corral, who we've talked about all night? In an honest answer, and you, you, you end up taking. I think most organizations would take Matt Corral, and and the thing is, you don't ever want to have to start over. But here's the thing. You don't ever want to be dead in the water either. Yes. That's the question you have to answer yourself because here's the thing. Teams get, and especially a team like like Cleveland, had zero success for what? The past, for for it's been a while. It's been a long time. Been a and they got a taste of that. And, and you get greedy. Like, I want more. Making a playoff win isn't enough now. And their, t their team is uber talented everywhere else. I mean, you tell me, like, fully healthy, they got – Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. They got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt at running back. They have a top five to seven offensive line. They have a top five to seven defense. Um, don't really lack it, really, any position group, period. Their weakest link is their quarterback. If you look at their team, their weakest link is their quarterback. Their co 
Coach won Coach of the Year last year, so a strong suit over there on how he turned around Cleveland. So their weakest link is their quarterback. And like, I, first, I think what it comes down to is what is Baker willing to take? Like, what, if he's willing to bargain, like, is he looking at Dak and like, I need that? Like, is he like, am I Dak? Or is he saying like, I want, if he wants 35, 36, that's different because 35 to $36 million for a quarterback does not look bad in two to three years. $40 million doesn't look as bad as everybody thinks with Dak in, in three to four years. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. Mahomes, Mahomes with his, his what, almost $50 million over the next 10 years. Josh Allen with what he got paid with what we think Lamar Jackson might get paid. Like now all these guys will be over and that's the next group of quarterbacks. And then you have what? Maybe if Sam Darnold after, you know, puts in one more prove it year, gets a big deal. Uh, I guess some of these rookies, like, like if Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and those guys end up being the guys, like, or Joe Burrow ends up being the guy, like you're looking at by that, by the time he signs his contract, a, a quarterback might be worth 55 to $60 million. So like that 40 doesn't look that bad. So if Baker's like, ah, 35, 36, I don't have a problem paying him five years, 36 million per over the next five years, because in two to three years, that's a tradable contract. But yeah. if he's, I'm starting at Dak, like my, that's my like minimum is I'm getting Dak money. I need 40. That's a different type of conversation. And people are like, well, it's four to $5 million a year, man. That's, that's a, a quality player. Like that's a, a aging veteran, four to five million on a one year contract that could contribute to my team to win a Super Bowl this year. That's a Nadama Kisu. That's a Gerald McCoy. Like, like those are one one year guys, veteran guys that could contribute to a Super Bowl team. So I look at Baker and I just I can't pay him. Well, unless now if his price is lower than Dak, if he's 35, 36, but do you see any way that with Baker's resume, Cleveland has gotten better every year since he's been there? Granted, they've just loaded up on talent by the year, but they've gotten better. They it seems like they have the coaching situation right. They have the running game right. But can you pay a guy that you can't put the ball in his hands and win games throwing the ball 40 times a game? 35 to 40 times, you lose those games. Can you pay him any more than $35 million? Like, is is he, are you giving him that next man up contract, essentially? Because each next man up is getting paid more than the last guy to sign a contract. Is Baker worth that next man up contract? No, I, I, I don't think he is, but I also, I don't think that that's, Baker always seems like an aware guy to me. I know like he's crazy and does all the commercials, but I think he gets it. And I think he knows that like I'm in a good situation to make me look good because if Baker pay, plays for the jets right now, we're not talking about his second contract. We're talking about his next team. Um, so yeah. I think he understands the situation he's in. Um, a la Tom Brady, you know, for a lot of years being like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to ride this out because I don't want to go to, a, I, and I just, I just feel that about him. Obviously I don't know Baker, but he's done. He's done nothing character-wise to prove otherwise. And then you got a guy like you look at game one, seventy-five percent completion, three hundred twenty-one yards against the Chiefs. But then you bring it up. He also threw the no game touchdowns, losing no touchdowns in the game, losing, you know, interception. But no, I think he gets it. I think he's asking for something just under the next guy up. Um, he'll take his. Because here's the thing: if he's pretty. And I know everybody throws this out there, and I'm the first one to say that's not true, but it does factor in these endorsements. If Let me just tell you, for somebody that lives in Ohio, if Baker's just pretty good for the Cleveland Browns for the next 10 years, he'll make up whatever money he wants to make up. Uh, that's that's just how it is. He'll So 
I think I just the situation seems to fit him. Um, he seems to be really enthusiastic about playing in Cleveland. You know what I mean? We haven't seen that since you know LeBron James was there playing for the Cavs. Um, right. It's not. It's not. It's not the uh, go-to place for NFL free agents. They don't want to start over. They do. They don't want to go through this again and again. You know. So I think that he'll take what he is actually like worth. Like you spoke on. I think they'll be happy to pay it. And I think that they'll just build a team around his ceiling. Uh, you know, he he has a ceiling, but his floor seems to be raising too. Like he seems to be steady at a certain tier NFL quarterback. And every now and then he can get it done. He just, you know, he's not perfect. You know what I mean? He's just, he's, you're right. He's not going to, he's not just going to sling the ball 50 times and, and win a shootout yet. And I think I think for me with Baker's here, here's how I look at it. You say I don't think his ceiling is high enough to pay. Because here's my thing: I don't think they've had they had talks. They had talks prior to the season. This is kind of a prove it year for him. I think he's proving his worth. A. Yeah. This is what I wanted. Cleveland didn't feel comfortable paying it, or else the deal is done. Like if if what he wanted and what Cleveland wanted to give him lines up, the deal is done. It got done with Josh Allen. This is what he wanted. This is what Buffalo paid him. The deal is done. Same thing with Lamar Jackson. If what he wanted lines up with what the organization is willing to pay him, these deals are done. We saw it with Dak. It got played out because what he wanted and what Jerry Jones wanted to pay him didn't line up. And we see that all these other guys, when when their worth is what the organization is willing to pay him and it matches up, they sit at the table and they sign these contracts. Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott eventually shows. It took him getting hurt and showing his real value to Dallas to get the deal yeah. done. But ultimately, he got the deal done. Uh, Josh Allen, it was kind of no hesitation. Hey, we're going to sit at the table. We get the job done. Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield have the biggest questions of all these young guys yeah. about their longevity at the position and what is their ceiling. And essentially paying a quarterback that much, you have to ask yourself the question, can he win me a Super Bowl? Yes. And and I think I think the Cowboys said yes with Dak. Like I think all those GMs answers with their quarterback was yes. It's not saying he will win me a Super Bowl. I can buy me a Super Bowl and guarantee it by signing this quarterback. But if you say, "Well, can he win me a Super Bowl?" and you think I think he can be my quarterback on a Super Bowl team, then you end up paying him. I don't think Baker Mayfield can, and I don't think Lamar Jackson can. I think as much as I love Lamar and as electrifying as he is, I think there's too many in a pass-heavy offense, and everybody will probably kill me for saying this after the Ravens to beat the, the Chiefs, but slow down this week too. Believe me, they will. Hey, believe me, they will kill you. Because <laughs> I love, I love Lamar Jackson, and I think he's a really great player, and I want to see him prosper. I want to see him get paid. But if I had to ask myself, can I win? There's too many factors, and I don't know if I have, I don't know if my salary cap is big enough to to build for what we lack. With, with Lamar Jackson at the quarterback position. And I think it's the same thing with, with Cleveland. I think this year, if they don't win the Super Bowl, essentially they never will. And I'm not, I'm not, but this is the most talented team you will have with, with the pay. Miles Garrett got paid. You don't think like the more successful you are, those guys' prices go up. Odell Beckham will, will need to be paid. Jarvis Landry will want some more money. Like, you know, uh, Austin Hooper signed a big deal. Like, you're going to have – Jadavion Clowney produces. You either lose him or you pay him. Like, it comes to that. The better a team is, the price goes up. Everybody in the Tampa Bay Bucks and have aging veterans win a Super Bowl. Oh, man, this feels good. Run it back. 
with Tom Brady at quarterback. Everybody doesn't have a quarterback that they believe in can still get the job done again where the Chiefs do it with like Patrick Mahomes. They could get guys, but it gets if you if you can't say yes, and it's a definitive yes, because you're costing a lot of money. You're ultimately costing what your franchise, what other moves your franchise can make. If you don't sit there, if you have to think about it for days and days and days, you have to play it week by week on what you think Baker's value is. By about week eight or nine, your answer is made. And like, hey, this is your price. I don't see you exceeding that. And you can't, he's not going to sign in the middle of the season, but by week eight or nine, your mind is made up what you value him at and, and whether you're, you're willing to bargain. You'll already have your numbers set. And I just don't think Baker is worth next man up money. Like, yes, he could take less, but I just don't see him necessarily taking less because if he was willing to take less, then I think it would have been stupid on Cleveland to let him go take a chance of proving it. Because if he said, I'll take 35 and Cleveland was okay with that, then it would be stupid on their part not to have the deal done because you don't get, if he's like, I'll take 35, you don't give him a prove it deal. You don't No, I'm not about to let you go out there. You're willing to take 35 a year over the next five years. I'm not about to let you go out there and show me you're worth 40, 45, almost 50. So that's either Baker is valuing himself as next man up. And these are what guys are getting paid. This is what I want. Or Cleveland made a stupid move and not by even allowing Baker to sit at the table and step on the field proving it week in and week out because it is only week two. Like you yeah, said, his completion percentage is there. Um, so it is only week two. His completion percentage is there. His touchdowns isn't and his interceptions isn't as far as where you would love your $40 million quarterback to be. But it is there. The completion percentage, there is some promise. He has the weapons. The team is built perfect to win a lot of games behind him. But if, if if Cleveland allow him to do that, they are absolutely ridiculous. And, it, and that's what makes me think. I don't think the way they're up, they're upcoming – that they are that ridiculous that Baker hits the number they would like and they still say, nah, we're going to let you go prove your worth. Because if he comes out guns blazing and proves he's worth 42, 43, Cleveland makes it to the Super Bowl and loses in a close game. Like, now you didn't screwed yourself, and I don't. I think it would be not, a one-hit wonder. But not really, though, because here's the advantage that Cleveland has. They know their team. They know their offense. Like, they do control to a certain – like, Baker can't just call – you know, no huddle every play and, and put up these stats. So he's like, like Dak was able to do the first part of last season. So Baker's kind of handcuffed by the offense and potential, you know, in that, in that way. So just by the way, they run their team, just, just like the Ravens, like um, the, we know how valuable Lamar Jackson is to the Ravens, but you can't go to any number and prove it. You know what I'm saying? Like they kind of they kind of handle when it, when it just comes to the quarterback position. Uh, that's not fair, but that you know that's how a lot of this stuff's done. But you made a lot of great great points about that. If Baker was willing to take a little bit less, Cleveland would have signed that easily. That's a and then then I started thinking about something while you were talking about this, and like I, I agree with you about Lamar. Like this season, the first two games have been rough, but we understand all the injuries. And I started thinking to myself, if Cleveland had to deal with all the injuries that Jack or uh, the Ravens have with losing the linemen, losing all their running backs and all that could ba would Baker Mayfield. Could he fight through it? Like Lamar has like, could, you know what I mean? Is he that quarterback to where they could have shifted gears and got through it or not? Cause then that's when I'm like, well, I don't know. 
I don't maybe it's that, that's a conundrum of Baker Mayfield. I have no idea how good of a football player he is sometimes. And I don't think he could have because like I mean I you talk about so. Lamar Jackson prevails after throwing two interceptions. And how he does it is because he's dynamic on his feet and he can throw the ball. And part of my knock on Lamar Jackson is probably some of the same knock is I I I praise him and I say that if Lamar Jackson had an elite weapon, like he's not a guy who necessarily makes his weapons better. But if you get him an elite weapon, yeah. Then I think like you, I think Lamar Jackson could get them the ball. But here's the problem: I don't think elite receivers or top talent receivers think so. Like if you think about it, Juju decided to go back on a two year deal, taking less money with with Pittsburgh than he could have went to Kansas City. But I think he wasn't gonna love his role there. I think he knew his worth, loved the city too much to go to Kansas City. But he didn't go play with Lamar Jackson for more money. Baltimore offered him the most to come play for him. He doesn't go. Uh, Julio kind of had a say so in where he got traded in a sense. Like, you know, Atlanta was giving him the due diligence of like, hey, if you don't want to go here, we'll look elsewhere. And Julio said no to Baltimore. Like, no. And he was really, he was like, he was, his name was popping up a lot with Baltimore. Like, Baltimore was all in on getting Julio. And guys are consistently saying no. And then on top of that injuries, like this free agency wide receiver class, and you get Sammy Watkins. Like, that's the best guy you get to commit to your team. Like, guys who have an option, whether it was in the trade or in free agency, have an option of kind of where they want to go. And the best you got was Sammy Watkins. Like, is that a test? And that, that could be a testimony on Harbaugh as a, as a coach also. Not that he's not a really good coach. I think he's an amazing coach. But the problem is the way the offense is ran, it's not wide receiver friendly. It's no, not no, at no, all. No. Like, and for a big-time receiver who who bases his money on production and this and that, like, it's just not wide receiver friendly. And it's like, is it? not wide receiver due to the what Lamar Jackson can't do? Or is it just, hey, I'm running my office this way. I have, you know, this is as dynamic. It's to the strengths of Lamar Jackson, but I think he's getting stronger throwing the ball. So I'm just not understanding why they're not putting more weapons. They're not, you know, spreading the offense out a little bit, making it a little more dynamic through the air. It's all run, run, run. We, we look, I mean, just look at it. Look how much they panicked when all the running backs go down. They go sign six different running backs. Yeah. They have six different running backs at tryout. That's how important a running back is to their system for the simple fact. And you think this is how important it is. You know, you were you were thinking, hey, Baltimore should go knocking on Dallas's door for Zeke. Like, that's how important a running back is to their system. And you like, is it because you're, you don't want to unleash Lamar and have him look bad because you don't think he could do it? Or is it just because a hardball system is not built for Lamar as great as we think because – as Lamar outgrew that system and it's time to sit down and really put him in the best position. I think that's the case. And I even think with Baker, it's the same thing. Like he's being coddled. Everything's to him, but can you expand the system with him? And if not, then it's a problem. Like if Chubb goes down, does that offense go as well? Everybody's like, well, they do have Kareem Hunt, but it's a two headed monster. Kareem Hunt gets used a lot different than Nick Chubb. So, like, are they a running back injury away? Because they're doing fine without Odell Beckham. They still pull off a win with Jarvis Landry getting hurt. So, are they more so, it's not about their quarterback, are they more so a running back away from losing a lot of offensive efficiency? Or is it just, it's time to let the leash off of both of them. And to me, this would be the year to do it. I know they have high expectations, especially the Browns. But if I'm talking about paying Baker Mayfield, I'm letting the leash off and I'm seeing what he's worth. I'm seeing, hey, can he get the job done? I got to let the leash off of him. And if we're as good as we really are, then even if we don't get it done this year, they'll get the job done as good as they really are this year. And then 
next year, like, hey, we'll be even better because we didn't let the leash off of them. And they went crazy. They showed their worth. Now I can make my office even more dynamic. And it gets guys to come there. So that, that's some, that's something else I've been thinking about. Yeah, let's not act like teams don't do this. The L.A. Rams traded – I mean, the L.A. Rams are a really good team, had been to the Super Bowl and traded away their quarterback. Like, teams teams will do it. Like everybody acts like, oh, no, you can't get rid of a – no, teams will get rid of a quarterback. And they'll do it with a draft pick and, and let there be an unhappy star. Like, I'm just saying, I know, you know – People are still predi- – we're still hearing some rumblings about – I want to start trade rumors, but we're hearing rumblings about, hey, Russell Wilson still may not be as satisfied. Like, there might be some unhappy quarterbacks come next year that, hey, you know, with Baker and a couple draft picks, you might be able to, you know, test the waters with that team and see what you could get. But, Jeff, I appreciate you for coming on. As hey, always, I appreciate everybody for tuning in and listening. I know a little lengthy show, but that's just what happens when you get me and Jeff talking football. I mean, we could go on for three or four more hours, but we have to wake up and have things to do in the morning. But I appreciate everybody for tuning in and listening. Once again, make sure you go to offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs and entertainment. Be sure to check out uh, the, the Buckeye Remix every week. Usually you drop it about, what, Monday or Tuesday? Yeah, kind of Tuesdays. Uh, it's been it's been later this year because of my schedule. I, I shoot for Sunday mornings, but it's been a hectic year, so um, it's it's been uh, Tuesday nights. But um, j- yeah, just just keep your eyes open for it. Uh, it it'll be there. It should be Sunday morning this week, but you know that it's it's been yeah. Crazy. You never know. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's a crazy. night game, but the power. Make sure you check out his power rankings, his playoff rankings, and watch the shows. For those of you that don't agree, because look, I thought look, I understand you don't agree. And we all don't always agree on everything, but please at least check out his show and hear his reasoning before you just see, cause it, it does. I'm going to be honest, Jeff. That's the one thing that annoys me, not about your rankings, but it's like, everybody's just so quick to kill it. And it's like, well, we'll hear him out here, hear him out. And then, you know, develop, don't look at the idea, hear the idea. And then, de- Oh no, 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 no. He's talking crazy, but I hate the power rankings come out. And it's like, I'm taking, I'm taking all, you know, I'm taking all complaints. The complaint hotline is open and it'd be like, well, your show hasn't even dropped. Like I at least usually before you like I see like, oh, OK, you know, I'm gonna watch the show, though. Let me see. Let me see what you got to say. And I agree with a lot of them, but I just hate that your rankings get killed and people don't even pay attention. And it's all to, part to the, the context. Business, I, 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 It's all part of the business. But yeah, I, once again, I appreciate you for coming on, Jeff. Everybody for tuning in, listening. And 